Welcome to the teaching podcast for Eubank Baptist Church. We are all about knowing more about Jesus and inviting others to do the same. We would love for you to join us on our campus on Sunday mornings at 8.30 or 10.45 and Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. This podcast is a place that you can listen to any teachings that you might have missed from our Sunday morning worship experiences. To stay connected, you can check out our website at www.eubankbaptist.org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Eubank Baptist Church and Instagram at eubank underscore bc. Thank you for being a part of the conversation and let's keep pursuing Jesus together. Well, again, good morning. Let me echo what has already been said on a couple of different occasions, but welcome to Eubank Baptist Church. On behalf of the leadership here, we are so honored that you're giving us a portion of your time this morning. We know that time is valuable. Time at time, time, at time seems scarce, and so we are very grateful that you're choosing to give us a portion of your time this morning. In case there's any uh, guests with us today, don't know who I am. My name is um, Aaron Neal. I get the honor and the privilege of serving as a student pastor here at EBC along with Becca, and we love what we do. We love uh, getting to hang out with our students and just pouring to them, and uh, wasn't that awesome, though, the worship? And what's really cool, they know this, but every song they sang this morning can connect to the message, because as you can tell by the video, we're going to be talking about thankfulness. And I also want to um, extend uh, appreciation to Pastor Clay for letting me speak this morning. He is traveling to see family for the holidays. So I'm grateful for the opportunity to share with you this morning. And uh, let me just start by making you mad, okay? Uh, that way we get it over with and it's nothing but the best for the rest on, okay? Despite the trees and the lights that are overtaking our homes, mine included, unfortunately, in the streets, it's not Christmas yet. Okay? All right? There is, that, that is in a month from now, a month, not next week, a month from now, okay? But we have a holiday to celebrate before Christmas. As we all know, we are a handful of days away from gathering with our friends and our family uh, to celebrate Thanksgiving, to celebrate just being thankful. And I know this will come as a complete surprise to you. But this morning, we're going to focus on thankfulness. We're going to focus on what it means to be thankful. But more specifically, we're going to push past a moment of thankfulness or a season of thankfulness. But we're going to talk about what it looks like to have a life of thankfulness. Because there's a difference in those three things. There's a difference in a moment, in a season, in a life of thankfulness. So why is it so important that we choose to pursue a life of thankfulness. If you and I settle for a moment of thankfulness, that moment gets determined by your emotional state in the moment. Because if it's a good moment, you're really thankful, right? But if it's a bad moment, all of a sudden that thankfulness isn't so close to your heart anymore. So if we settle for a moment, it's, it's going to change every time your emotion does. If we settle for a season of thankfulness, we'll be intentional from November 1st to November 30th. And then we'll switch our minds to other things. We'll switch our minds to Christmas 
or the next week or the next month or the next year. And in case you didn't know, in case you've heard a Christian say, well, it's just not my season, it means a time. We say that things or people are not in this season of life. We're saying that they are not a part of this time. And so a season of thankfulness ends November 30th. And in case you didn't know this, and this is going to start us off this morning, to have a life of thankfulness, we have to look outside of ourselves and look to someone greater than ourselves. Because if your thankfulness is based on a person, let me tell you, you will be, the, you will be dissatisfied at some point. If your thankfulness is based on what your current situation is, wait until it changes. And so to have a life of thankfulness, we have to look outside of ourselves and look to someone who is greater than, our, than ourselves. And Scripture has actually declared who that someone greater is. And so this morning, what I hope to accomplish is to introduce you to or re-familiarize yourself with three people that are greater than you, that are greater than me. Well, I'd like to invite you to make your way in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 53. We're going to begin in Isaiah 53 this morning. And we'll jump to a couple different places, but we're going to start here in Isaiah. Isaiah 53. And we're going to focus on verses 5, 6, and 7. If you're able to this morning, I want to invite you to stand as we come to God's word, as we ask him to speak and we give him the space to talk to us this morning. But Isaiah 53, verses 5, 6, and 7 say this. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Will you pray with me? Father, we love you, and we thank you for who you are. Father, I pray that right now as we take some time to just unpack your word to talk about what it looks like, what it means to have a life of thankfulness. God, I pray that you would speak to every heart who is here in this room, every heart that is watching online. And God, we give you permission to speak what you need to speak to us. If you have to, make us uncomfortable. And we ask all this in your name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. So now that we have established, now that we've read through Isaiah 53, let me introduce you to the first person that is greater than ourselves. The first takeaway for us 
this morning is this, that a life of thankfulness begins by recognizing and responding to Jesus' sacrifice. A life of thankfulness happens by recognizing and responding to Jesus' sacrifice. Often, these verses that we just read, they're often visited by people when they reflect on what Jesus did on the cross. And if I'm being honest, something happens every time that I read through these verses, and I hope this happens to you as well. I come face to face with the reality of what Jesus did and what he went through for me, as well as gratitude that he was willing to do that for me. Because in my 31 years of life, I still have not proved that I was worth dying for. In my 31 years of life, I have proved that I cannot be good enough to earn the salvation that came through the cross. But I'm thankful, I'm, I'm grateful that he saw me, and despite my failures, despite my mess, he chose me. And guess what? He chose you too. When he went to the cross, he was thinking of you. But I want to turn our attention back to this scripture. I want to go back to verse 5 for a moment. And I want to highlight three words that should really just stick to our hearts. But verse 5 says this, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. The three words that really stick out to me in this Scripture is pierced, crushed, and wounded. And these words, honestly, for me, are are heavy to think about. You know why? Because Jesus was pierced, crushed, and wounded for us and because of us. We love the part about it being for us, right? We love that part. We love when things are about us, but... All of a sudden, we get silent, a little bit more uncomfortable when we realize that, oh, he did that because of me. And not just with verse 5, but with verses 6 and 7 as well, Isaiah puts the responsibility of Jesus being sent to the cross on the shoulders of you and me. It was because of our transgressions, our iniquities, our mistakes, our failures that Jesus willingly went to the cross to receive the punishment that was expected because of sin. Because listen, even back in Genesis, when, when, when sin first came into the world, something had to die to cover Adam and Eve. That when God provided covering for them, something had to die to provide. So even from the very beginning, sin has had a cost. Sin has needed something in return. And maybe you're saying, well, Aaron... Listen, I I can't be blamed for doing something that I wasn't even there for. If you're a parent, you probably heard that before, right? Well, you can't blame me. I wasn't even there. It was his idea, her idea. So maybe you're thinking that, and and I will level with you. Yes, yes, you were not there when he was alive. If you were, you got to figure it out because you're still alive, Okay. So yes, you weren't there when Jesus was, was, was living. But let me ask you a few questions that, that might make it a little bit more personal. 
Have you ever decided to go your own way despite knowing that God was leading you in a different direction? Have you ever decided to go your own way despite knowing that there were better options, but yet because your way sounded better, your way sounded more fun, your way sounded more enjoyable, your, your way sounded better, you decided to go that way and kind of not listen to what God was doing? If you would say yes to these questions, then guess what? You're being talked about. Because in verse 6, all. Now, I'm not very smart, but I'm pretty sure I know what all means. All means all. There, there, there's no, no exceptions, no no one, no. All means all. So he says that, that we all, we like sheep have gone astray. We've gone our own way. In other words, we have chosen at times to embrace the essence of sin. Here's what the essence of sin is. The essence of sin is going your own way rather than going God's way. Again, going back to Genesis, that's what Adam and Eve did, right? They were told, God said, hey, listen, guys, I've given you all you need. Everything in this garden is for you. You can, you can, you can take it. You can eat it. You can do everything. This is all for you. But just don't go. Don't, don't even attempt to eat from one tree in this entire garden. And because Adam and Eve thought the tree was better, the tree had better options, the tree was going to give them what they didn't have, they decided to go their own way. And they went to that one tree that they were commanded not to. Can I tell you something ironic this morning? While Jesus experienced being pierced, crushed, and wounded for our mistakes and sins, anyone at any point who chooses and recognizes Jesus as their Savior can experience restoration and peace. Often you don't hear restoration or peace associated with the words of crushed, pierced, or wounded. But Jesus changed everything. Even the cross was changed after Jesus. Because what was meant as a symbol of death now is a symbol of life for anyone that chooses it. It should humble us to think that restoration and peace we have through Jesus came with the loss of his life. So maybe you think, well, how, how can someone's death offer and bring about restoration or peace? Especially this person that we're putting our trust in lived thousands of years ago. Well, one, his death satisfied the cost of sin. See, up to that point, they would make sacrifices yearly. But after Jesus... He said, it is finished. And he came as the one and ultimate sacrifice for sin. So one, it covers the debt of sin, but here's the even better part. Jesus did not stay in the grave. Yes, his heart stopped beating. Yes, his brain had no activity. But listen, his body was prepared and placed in a tomb and was closed with a giant stone because they thought it was over. But Jesus said, listen, it's not done yet. 
And so right now, as we are breathing, as we are talking, he stands at the right hand of God right now, alive and well, and waiting for anyone to come to him. So you want to know why I can be thankful? Because when I stop looking around and I look up to the cross, I see that it was finished and Jesus is still king. In verse 7, it's, 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 it's so interesting to think about because Jesus has said that as he was oppressed, as he was afflicted, he did not open his mouth. Could you do that? If you are saying, well, yeah, I can do that, I'll give you 10 minutes on Facebook. I'll ask you again. Most of us, if not all of us, when we feel attacked or pressured or surrounded, we, our, our instincts kick in and we start fighting, right? Because we, we say we're surrounded. We got to do something to change this. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Exodus 14, 14. When, Israel, they're, when they're surrounded, on one side they have this enormous, overwhelming Egyptian army. On the other side they have this giant, enormous Red Sea. God says, listen, Moses, tell them, be still. Because the Lord fights for you. So when we feel surrounded, we're not, we're not told to start fighting. We're not told to start retaliating. We're not, we're not told to do that. We're, we're told to be still and let God do only what God can do. And Jesus, he did this. He didn't open his mouth once to them. When we recognize what Jesus did for us, it becomes easier to live a life of thankfulness. So now that we've established this first person that, become, that, that can become so helpful for us, let me shift our focus to the second person who is greater than ourselves. The second takeaway, the second consideration is this. A life of thankfulness happens by remembering God's faithfulness. A life of thankfulness happens by remembering God's faithfulness. I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Lamentations. And we're going to focus in for a moment on Lamentations chapter 3. And we're going to read verses 22 and 23 together. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23, it says this, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now to fully understand how these verses connect to the experience of of thankfulness. We need to understand the context of what's going on at this point in the Bible, in the book of Lamentations. So at this point, uh, God has promised judgment, and he has brought the Babylonians into the picture to judge God's people. And listen, the Babylonians, they did a really good job of judging the people. They did a really good job of judging. And, and, and I always think to myself, man, 
Listen, no one likes to be disciplined. No one likes to be told, hey, you messed up. His consequence. But listen, no matter what punishment we get, God is still faithful. Because in this, he said, listen, I'm going to send people to judge you, but my faithfulness will never stop with you. And so the Babylonians, they, they're, at this point, they are bringing judgment to the people. And all the things, all the things that the people have been trusting in were gone. Because at this point, Jerusalem was gone. The temple was gone. And even their religious rituals were gone. So everything they placed their hope in, every structure, every person, every source of hope they put their hope in, it was gone. And I'm willing to imagine that all of us know what it's like to feel hopelessness. That all of us know what it's like to not want to get up on some mornings. We know what it's like to have zero motivation to go through our day. And that's where these people were. Everything they placed their hope in was gone. And it's through the series of difficult situations that the author, who they believe is Jeremiah, realizes a truth about their hope. And this is the truth that if you read through the whole book of Lamentations, it is, it is sown all the way through the book. But here's the truth that the author realizes. Despite our unfaithfulness, God is always faithful to his people. So listen, when you choose God, you're choosing God for life. There's no contracts. There's no plans. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God once you choose the love of God. And so despite our unfaithfulness, despite our failures, despite everything about us, God is always faithful to his people. In the verses that we read a moment ago, the author is really driving this point home for us. He's really driving in the point of God's faithfulness. You see, when the author says the steadfast love, they're describing a loyal love. So, so it's, it's, it's a deep, loyal love. Love, this kind of love sticks around no matter what. It sticks around during the good times, during the bad times, during the difficult times. It sticks around even when you don't want to stick around. He sticks around. Even when you choose to go your own way, do your own thing, and say, I'm going to put all my hope and trust in me, he's still waiting, saying, all right, I'm waiting. I'm I'm, I'm waiting. So God never leaves us. And the author was encouraging his readers then and us now that God will always be for and with the people who choose to accept him. I'm pretty sure the Bible says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And listen, when God speaks a promise, he means it. When God declares something, he will follow through on it. Now listen, it it may take some time, it may take some season that you don't want to go through, but every time God speaks, he is faithful. In fact, it it says in the word that every time his word goes out, it never comes back void. So no matter if your expectations are met, if your hopes are met, if, if you place your hope and trust in Jesus, he will always show up for you. So the author is telling us, listen, God, is always going to be for us. And not only does his love never stop, his mercies 
never run out. How thankful are you for that one? Because I know for me, I would have done with me a long time ago. It's still a surprise that Becca's still married to me. Because I'm kind of dumb. And so I, I, I can't fathom why anyone would want to stick around with me because I'm a mess. But listen, that's what God does. God loves to work with broken people. In fact, it says that when Jesus came, he said, it's not the sick who come, it's, it's not the healthy who comes to the doctor. It's the sick who come to the doctor. If you're healthy, you're going to stay away from the doctor because there are germs there, right? But not one part like, like, get away from me, right? So no one who is healthy goes and sees the doctor. And Jesus says, listen, no one, I didn't come for the healthy. I didn't come for the ones who have it all figured out. I came for the ones who know they're messed up. I came for the ones who know they're broken. I came for the ones who are a hot mess every single day. And that's all of us. I'm getting sweaty up here. <laughs> if you were to go back to Exodus 16, you would see God show up for his people. They're wandering in the, in, in the desert, and, and God literally, literally provides provision from the sky. He says, listen, when you wake up in the morning, there's going to be food for you on the ground. And he said, listen, don't take more than you need. You know why? Because tomorrow there will be more. Tomorrow I'll give you even more. So back in Exodus 16, God provided. And even in 2023, God is still providing. You ever wonder or had that thought of how to make it through that? God. You ever go through a loss and you think, there's no way that I'm going to be able to get past this? Yeah, God. So the same God who is faithful in Exodus is the same God who is faithful in 2023. So every morning that we wake up, God is able and will show up every single day with new mercy and grace that we receive if we choose Jesus. But listen, if we're not careful... If we're not careful, we find ourselves, we can find ourselves in the exact same position as the people that we read about in Lamentations. Because if we place our hope in the relationships that we have, or the things that we own, or the things that we can accomplish, or the traditions that are passed down, at some point, that won't be enough for you. That's why we have 15 versions of the iPhone. Because they thought, well, I need this, right? More buttons, more apps, more, more ways to distract you. We need all of it. Listen, no matter what iPhone you have, or no matter what, what phone you have, if it calls somebody or texts somebody, that's all you need, okay? But we believe that we need the next best thing. And how often does that next best thing change by tomorrow? All of a sudden, that next best thing, once you have it, you're like, huh, I don't really need this. Listen, I, I, I told our students on, on Wednesday, the people tried this. They said, hey, hey, God, they have a king. 
They have a king. We want a king. You know what happened when they got that king? They were miserable. All of a sudden, that king that they were desiring for was no longer enough for them. So what happens when the people, the things, the accomplishments or traditions aren't there anymore? What then? For some people, the holidays are not easy. They're difficult because that one person is not here anymore. That chair is empty. That tradition's gone. Your favorite plate ain't there no more because the person who made it is no longer there. So, at best, things change. At worst, people are gone. What happens when the job or the income that was hopeful for you is gone? What happens when you no longer own what you used to own? What happens when someone comes along and outdoes you in something? What happens then? Anything that doesn't come from God or anyone that isn't God has a shelf life. Don't miss that. You could leave here today and place your faith in everything out there in the world, but can I tell you that everything out there in the world is going to fade away one day. In fact, in Matthew chapter 6, we read this. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Listen, everything on this side of eternity, it's going to be gone one day. At some point, you'll be gone one day. And all the things that you put your hope, all the, all the things that you are thankful for, it ain't going with you. So everything outside has a shelf life. But there's one of the many things that this book proves, the Bible, is that God will never be away. God will never be outdated or not relate to the whatever. In fact, it says that he is the same. Stay with me. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Listen, culture is not the same to yesterday, today, and tomorrow. If you put your identity, your hope, your trust in, 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 in culture, listen, it'll change in the next five hours. Before we shift our focus to the third and final person that's greater than ourselves, I, I want to share a quote from a book that I use to study often, and it was so good that I was like, man, this person's smarter than me. They have a book I don't, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to read their words. But it says this, God's loyal love is all we can cling to in difficult times. If, if, if we are trusting in anything else to get us through, we, like the people of God who gazed in disbelief at the charred remains of their city, will be jolted into an, into an awareness of our misplaced trust when those things disappear. So it happens by recognizing God's faithfulness. 
But there's one more person I want you to know about. There's one more person I want to introduce you to. And this is our third takeaway for this morning. A life of thankfulness happens by leaning into the Holy Spirit. A life of thankfulness happens by leaning in to the Holy Spirit. The final place I want us to go to in God's Word this morning is 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And I want to focus in on verses 12, 13, and 14 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, New Testament. But this is what it says, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Verse 14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. If you were to look at this entire section of verses 6 through 16, you would see and notice that the theme within these verses, this section of verses, is God's wisdom from the Spirit. In these verses that we just read, Paul clearly distinguishes a difference between wisdom from the world and wisdom from God. The spirit of the world is based on things, again, that have a shelf life and will eventually rust away, be destroyed, or be broken. Yes, we can accomplish some good and creative and great things, but there is nothing that we can do that compares to what God has already done. Because everything that we can do is simply a creation. And that's what we are. We are a creation. Our creator is God. And so as our creator, he gets to tell us who we are, whose we are, and what we're going to do with the life that he gives us. So yes, we can do some incredible things. We can do some, some impressive things. But our best is nothing compared to what God can do. Because again, there will be someone that comes along that can outdo you in something. They're smarter than you. They're more talented than you. They're more skilled than you. They're more athletic than you. They're more fill in the blank. That's what the wisdom of the world is, is, is based on. It changes constantly. However, the spirit that comes from God is based on someone who will never change. And the wisdom that comes from God is based on the true king of this world, King Jesus. When Jesus ascended into heaven, his disciples, they were scared, they were sad, they were worried, and he said, listen, I know you're sad. I know you're going to miss But listen, I have to go because if I don't go, the Father won't send the advocate, the helper, the Holy Spirit to be with you. Listen, I understand. I understand that feeling of looking across the table and not seeing the person. My dad passed away. Grandma passed away. So I, I, I get that. And I understand that. 
But can I tell you that no matter if someone's in that chair or not, the Holy Spirit is with you? You want to know why you can keep on going? Day in, day out, hurt after hurt, loss after loss. Because you have a God who is greater, who has sent his spirit to live with you. But you have to choose it. And, the, and Paul is clear in this. He's clear that we have to choose that. Because you see, a, a part of understanding God's truth and realities is having and leaning in towards the Holy Spirit. Again, Paul even says that we don't impart the words that are taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit because interpreting spiritual truths requires you to be spiritual. If I was to read a foreign language, I would have to, I would have to know what that language says. If I was going to communicate with a foreign exchange, I, I, I would need to know the culture and the language. So I would have to know that. So if, 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 if you're going to discern God's presence, if, if you're going to discern his will, you have to have the Holy Spirit. Because there are things about God that you will never understand. So if you're waiting to figure it all out, if, 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 if you're waiting to have everything figured out about God, listen, you will always keep trying that. Because in fact, it says that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than ours. So there are things that you will never understand until you're standing in front of God and you're able to ask him. I will never understand why he took our unborn child from us. I'll never get it. I'll never like it. I'll never understand it. But I will know one day why. And I, and I know this, that whatever God does, he does for a reason. And he, and he takes everything, the bad, the good, the ugly, he works it out for our good. So I know that no matter what I've lost, I still got God and he still got me. So we have to have the Holy Spirit because there are days where the Spirit has to carry us. Because if it was up to us, we wouldn't keep going. We would stop. We wouldn't get out of bed. We would avoid people. We would avoid things. But we need the Holy Spirit to carry us. In verse 14, Paul cuts straight to the point. And I, and I, I love what the NIV says in, in verse 14. It says this, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Paul writes that the only way to accept, understand, and discern God's truth and realities is having a relationship with God through Jesus. In fact, in John 14, 6, it says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through me except through Jesus. This is why we have to make sure that we have things right with Jesus. Maybe you're here or you're listening online and you've been to church, you've been to some activities, you've been to some events, but you've never placed your faith in him. You've never had that moment where you said, God, take everything of me and live as my savior, live inside of me as my savior. I told our students on Wednesday that I refuse to believe that every time the church opens, that, that every time the church opens, I do not believe that everyone's a Christian. I don't believe that there is 
not one lost person in this room right now or watching online. I refuse to believe that. You know why? Because if, if everyone was saved, why are we still here? If everyone knew God, why does he still have us here? So maybe that you, maybe no one knows it because you've never said it, but no one knows that you've been playing Christian your entire life. You've been playing a role. You've been playing a character. Maybe for you this morning, it's time to stop playing games. Maybe for you, it's time to start not just showing up to church, but being the church. Because listen, the church is not these four walls. The church is not that building across the hill. The church is you. The church is me. But in order to be the church, you have to know Jesus. And maybe that's you. Maybe you've been playing church your entire life. I want to give you a chance right now. Because in order for us to know who Jesus is, we have to accept his gospel. We have to accept what God says about us. And here's what, here's what God's gospel says about you and me. I am someone that is separated from God because of my sin and failed attempts to completely, completely follow God's word. I'm someone that desperately needs a savior because there is nothing that I can do to save myself. So the gospel says you're not enough. And because you're not enough, because I'm not enough, we need someone else who is greater than us to step in for us. And here's what the gospel says about Jesus. He is the living son of God who came to this planet and lived a perfect life from the beginning to the end. He died on a cross in my place and walked out of the grave three days later. I believe that Jesus is the Savior that I desperately need. So if you want to know God, if you want to have that life he promises you, you have to start with Jesus first. In a moment, I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to move into a time of response where we'll give you space to continue whatever conversation God started with you this morning was I, I believe that before you even step foot in this church, God started talking to you. Maybe that's why you're here. Maybe you're here because there was something inside saying, listen, go to church. But I don't want to. No, go to church. I'm tired. No, go to church. But it's, but it's hunting season. Go to church. So maybe that you may, maybe you don't know why, but something has led you here. Listen, that, that is the Holy Spirit working on you right now. So we're going so to give you a time to talk with God, to have that conversation. And maybe for you, you need to come to this altar and spend time with God. Maybe your thankfulness has been determined by past experiences or past relationships or current relationships or current situations. Maybe, maybe your thankfulness has been determined on someone or anything else that isn't God. Maybe today, you need to spend some time by yourself or maybe even grab someone that you know. Listen, the best feeling in the world is having someone pray with you. Listen, there is something powerful about that when someone is willing to get on their knees with you and pray, not just with you, but pray for you. Because listen, I don't, I, I, I don't care how strong you are, you need prayer. I don't care how long you've been in church, you need prayer. So maybe while they're singing, you need to come up to the altar or Maybe you're like, well, Aaron, that's scary. That, listen, God can speak to you right in your chair as much as he can right here. So maybe you don't need to come up. Maybe you, need, maybe you just need to sit down when they're singing and just talk to God in your seat.
Because the same God who can move in a church is the same God who can move outside the church. The same God who can move at, at, at an altar can move in a chair. So don't settle for anything less. Maybe even placing your hope in someone or something that isn't Jesus, you need to repent of that. You need to ask God to step in and do something. Here's the prayer for us today. The prayer for us this morning is that we would not settle for a moment or season of thankfulness, but pursue a life of thankfulness. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we are thankful for you. God, everything around us can be crumbling. It can be shaking. It can be burned to the ground. But God, there is nothing that will ever destroy you. So maybe right now there is someone in this room, there's someone watching online, and they've never placed their faith in you. They've been playing church, they've been playing a show, they've been acting their entire life, and they just need to stop playing games and get right with you. If there is someone like that, God, I pray, I ask that you make them uncomfortable. Stir in their hearts so much that, they, God, they can't do anything else but come to you. God, I pray that for someone, if they needed that, today is salvation. But I also pray for the one who's made that decision. They've, they've made that commitment to you, but their thankfulness has been determined by their experience or their emotions or their feelings or people or their hurts or their loss or whatever, God. But maybe today they need to say, you know what? Yes, everything around me is not fun, but God, you are still faithful. Maybe today someone needs to be reminded that you are never gone. God, you are always right there with us. God, I pray that whatever the conversation is that you have started, that God, you would carry it out and that we would be open and receptive to you. We thank you for Jesus and the cross that gives us the ultimate hope, the ultimate joy, the ultimate thankfulness. And we ask all of this in your name.